Patsy O'Hara from Bishop Street in Derry was only 23 years old when he died on hunger strike. Former blanket man Shana Walsh was on the same wing as Patsy in H5 and recalls here his memories of that determined young man who stood true to his beliefs throughout tumultuous times. Patsy O'Hara came on to our wing, which would have been the old A wing in H5. And he came on to it in January 1980. He had been sentenced for a hand grenade, possession of a hand grenade, I think. And by that stage, the black protest had been going since September 76 with Keane Nugent. So we were all fairly uh, much veterans, if you will, of the blanket protest by the time that Patsy came in. But before Patsy arrived onto our block, we had heard a lot about him from some of the dairymen on the wing and also because of the fact that his brother Tony was on the adjoining wing. Um, and one of the things uh, about it was that even though Tony was the elder brother, he really looked up to Patsy. Patsy would have been his hero. So um, as Patsy arrived onto our wing, his reputation, if you will, preceded him. And I knew from some of the others that Patsy had been uh, involved with the IRA in the early 1970s. He'd been interned um, as a teenager in Long Cash. And after his release in late 74, early 75, he left the uh, Republican movement and became involved with the INLA uh, in its formative stages and also with the IRSP. Um, I, I was told by guys who knew him from the cages that he had been an avid reader when he was in the, the cages, um, even as a young lad. And certainly that um, the, the, the depth of his politics um, really um, marked him out whenever he came on to our wing. Um, it, it was somewhat serious, um, particularly for the first few months. Um, but after a while, after he got to know people, um, we got him to lighten up a wee bit. Um, one of the big factors in all of that, of course, was that Red Mick, Michael Devine, who would have been a friend of Patsy's, um, he was already on the wing with us. And so you had that sort of uh, interplay there. One of the guys who would have been, like, if you will, any sort of um, entertainment that was going, whether it was sing songs, quizzes, uh, telling books and films out the side of the door, all of that type of uh, stuff would have been headed up by Shando Moore from Beachmount here, and Red Mick would have been Shando's lieutenant. So um, they both have made sure that Patsy was made to feel part of the, the, the wing, part of the community. And 
even though um, he was in the INLA, um, he wasn't the only INLA prisoner on, on the way, obviously. There were a group of INLA prisoners on all of our wings, I would say. And it would have been about five or six out of the 40 odds who were on our wing were um, affiliated to the, the INLA. And Patsy was very forthright in, uh, you know, in seeking to um, mark out a separate identity for the INLA and the INLA prisoners, even at that early stage. However, the um, the situation that we were in on the blanket were the only enemy that you had, really, were the guys who were opening and shutting the doors. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't mean anything, the fact that you were in, in, in this organization and that organization. Um, so, as the months dragged past in 1980, there were a number of different initiatives which were attempted by Cardinal Tommaso Fee and different ones getting involved in trying to resolve the blanket protest. But Thatcher wasn't having any of it. And the, her, the people who were in the NIO, you know, the, the, the Northern Ireland office, the, these guys, and the people are, who were in the hierarchy of the prison administration at that time, they weren't interested in coming to any sort of resolution or seeking to resolve the uh, crisis in the jails. They wanted to break the morale of the prisoners and to break the will of the prisoners. So all of their endeavors came to nothing. And because of the fact that the 1972 hunger strike led by Billy McKee and involving not only the, the men in criminal jail at that time, but the women in Armagh, and because it lasted something like 35 days for Billy McKee, and that had broken the will of the, the British at that time, it, it had broken the policy of the British to treat Irish Republicans as criminals. And we were awarded special category status. So I suppose once the British took political status away in 1976, there was always that um, something of an inevitability that that's where it was heading. At some stage, it was going to end up with a hunger strike. As we moved into the latter end of 1980, we had the hunger strike, the first hunger strike. And we had the, the seven prisoners going on the hunger strike. And what we found was that, you know, the British opened negotiations and you've already heard other podcasts cover that period but Bobby came on to our wing um, at that time um, in December 
1980. And whenever the 1980 hunger strike started, um, the, the guy who had been in charge of the INLA prisoners then, uh, John Nixon from Armagh, he went on the first hunger strike and he was replaced as the OC of the INLA prisoners in the jail with Patsy O'Hara. And it meant then that in the negotiations that followed the ending of the, the first hunger strike, um, whenever I went over to, I left H5 to go over to H3 um, a number of times to meet Bobby Sands on the wing in H, H3. And he would relay to me how the various negotiations were going, what we were trying to do, um, what course we were attempting to take. And then whenever I came back on to H5, I would have visited the uh, OCs of the different wings. And I always made a point of getting in and informing Patsy of where things were at and how things were going and how we saw things into the future. So um, that continued and it, was only, it only lasted a, couple, a few weeks because uh, at a very early stage, um, Bobby determined that the Brits weren't, weren't for moving, that they wanted to force the, uh, the blanket prisoners into some sort of conformity and that they weren't for introducing any of the concessions. And as, as they said, uh, they weren't in introducing any of the changes that they had talked about um, during the course of the, the hunger strike. So there was an, an inevitability then at that stage about the second hunger strike. One of the things was that after the first hunger strike ended, we basically discussed what are our options and we decided that we didn't have any other option but to go back on to hunger strike. And therefore that whole process started again of gathering names and um, we knew that it was going to be different this time. Bobby ensured that it was going to be different because he said that he was determined to go on hunger strike first. And that ensured that he was the only person who he was responsible for on the hunger strike. And it would be the same for any of the hunger strikers who, who would be joining him after that, that they would not be responsible for any of the other prisoners. They were responsible for themselves. And so that whole strategy was very different from, from the, the first time out. And at that stage, um, I was engaged in, in conversation with Patsy and Patsy was saying, if there's going to be a second hunger strike, I'm going on it. And I explained to them that our thinking was that anybody who went on hunger strike um, would have to, they, that Thatcher was going to require deaths if there was to be any movement at all. Um, and that's what would be involved this time. It wasn't about taking it to the edge or anything else. And if anybody was in that sort of frame of mind, they should declare it now. Um, so 
Patsy was saying, look, uh, you needn't worry about me. Um, I'll do whatever has to be done. And, and that's the way he was coming at it. So um, he, he turned around and he said that uh, Red Mick was to take over as the OC of the INLA prisoners in the jail. And as we know, on the 22nd of March, um, Patsy embarked on a hunger strike. On the same day that Raymond McCreesh started the hunger strike. And, you know, whenever Patsy went on the hunger strike, we had already seen um, the campaign begin to build some sort of momentum because the second hunger strike was very different from the first. The second hunger strike was a lot slower to really capture people's imagination. And it was really only with the death of Frank McGuire, the MP for, for Mala South Tyrone, and the election of Bobby Sands in, in April, it was only then that we really saw the campaign to break Thatcher and um, the win status. It was only then that we saw that um, really sort of starting to come to fruition. One of the things about, um, about Patsy was that like whenever he came into Arwine in 1980, and I suppose the way he carried himself and the way he spoke to people, um, he definitely struck people as being older than a, 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 what we would say he had a, an old head on him. You know, he had an old head on his shoulders. And he had been at the very centre of the INLA leadership on the outside, um, despite his very early, uh, his young age. So that um, was one of the things that that was notable about him. And at one stage, um, before Patsy went on hunger strike, he had sent for the governor, the, the number one governor, and he wanted to impress upon him uh, about the separate identity of the INLA prisoners and he sought to attain a separate section of the prison for the INLA. And what happened was that the, the number one governor at this time um, wasn't interested in any sort of a resolution at all. Um, as I had experienced in, in conversations with, with Bobby, and he basically sat along uh, uh, a junior governor who told him that there would be no concessions in regards to separate um, accommodation or anything else. That uh, and he basically quoted that you know a crime is a crime is a crime. You're all criminals, and and you're going to have to um, basically accept that. And that really annoyed. Patsy, I remember, at that time, he wasn't afraid 
to put his ideas out there and he held very very firmly to them. Well before Patsy came in um, and he, I've explained that he was a sort of a he was very senior in the INLA. He was a senior leadership figure in the INLA, not just in Derry, but in their whole national organisation. And if, if, if I'm not mistaken, he would have been friendly with uh, Seamus Costello, who would have been the, the, the one person who probably personified the politics and the, the worldview of the INLA and IRSP, um, that, that was Seamus Costello. But uh, Patsy had been um, one of his disciples, if you will. Before he ended up coming into jail with us, before he ended up on the blanket, he had been arrested north and south a number of times. He had been charged and held on remand for a number of periods. Um, so, like, like, you know, like we were saying earlier on, that he first came into Long Cash as a young teenager, and he ended up in and out of, of prison right through till his death at 23. So, whenever Patsy went on the hunger strike, we gave him a bit of a, a do, if you will. It was a sing song and everybody, you know, up performing and doing their wee bits. And I remember whenever he was um, leaving our block in April to go out and get the van to go to the prison hospital. And he, he went out with a big smile on his face because Bobby had just been elected as the MP for Fermanagh South Tyrone. And even though a lot of us believed that Thatcher would still allow prisoners to die on hunger strike, we sort of hoped against hope that the electoral victory would, would see Thatcher moving. And, and Patsy, um, I remember talking to Patsy about the election victory and he was sang sanguine enough about it himself. He was saying, excellent, um, good show, uh, brilliant from, from the people of Fermanagh South Tyrone, but it's not going to move Thatcher. And even then he, he felt that, um, that the, the, the British were going to allow prisoners to die. And he said, don't worry about me. You know, I know what I've got to do, and I will do it. That was basically the last I saw of Patsy as, as, as they took him out of the wing and took him away to the hospital. I didn't see him again. And we would have sent calls and uh, messages and stuff to him from time to time. We sent all our regards. Red Mick, who was on our wing at that time, he was in constant contact with Patsy. Like it was near enough 
um, every day he would have been writing to him or receiving a, a message from him. And you know, we made sure to let Red Mac know that um, we were all thinking about him on the wing. But eventually he he ended up um, dying and, and strangely enough Patsy started the hunger strike on the same day as Raymond McCreesh and Patsy died of hunger strike on the same day as Raymond McCreesh. You know, he was one of those guys who one of the people that you meet in life who will always um, have an impact on you, who um, who leaves a sort of a mark in your your memory that uh, that you will never forget.